The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. Not stare directly at what you're talking about because it will come and die. And and that is what we're talking about. Is it? Yes. Interesting. How did I I do that? You just walked right into that. Welcome, everyone, to H2O. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor at sci fi mecom And I am Timothy Harvey. And, and I you are. do other things. I, yeah, <laughs> I, other I'm a writer for sci-fi for me.com. I'm a, the uh, editor for horrorforme.com. Um, and uh, shockingly, I seem to almost be having time open up, with, just as you're losing, having time uh, yeah. crash down on you. Yeah. Um, time is, as every viewer of Doctor Who will know... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's wibbly-wobbly. It's wibbly-wobbly. And it... We either have it or we don't, yeah. and that's the struggle with what we're trying to, what we do here. Is yes. That, you know, so suddenly, suddenly, as I'm, you know, I've got these gaps of time opening up after long crunches where I haven't had it, and just as you are having it, you know, go away. So, yeah, my my, en- my entire July pretty much has just been completely blown out of the water by this by this MTV project that I'm working on. Because originally it was it was one week in July. Mm-hmm. They're going to do some pickup shots. Sure. Because they're in post-production. The thing starts airing in, in the beginning of August. And so now they're, you know, they, now they're going back and forth for a while. They were going to shoot the, the crime reenactments in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then it was Kansas City. And then it was L.A. And then it was Kansas City. I mean, they just kept going back and forth. Nobody could de- decide on anything. That's, you know, that's how this whole project has been since March. Um, yeah, and I, I was looking at my calendar. Mm-hmm. I've been on this thing since the end of March. I did not realize that it's been that long. The good news is, is they are paying you. <clears throat> they are paying. This yes. is true. So, yes, and is... we worked with MTV before. We and MTV. Uh-huh. MTV is a you know we we we've enjoyed working for MTV when we yep. worked for them. So yeah, it's, it's a different production company this time. Right. Around. Yeah. But yeah, it's it has been an experience. I will say that. But yeah, all of all pretty much all of July. You know, my, the original plan was shoot pickups. For mm-hmm. a week, you know, get the little bits and pieces because yeah, yeah. they're in post production. We figure out, oh, we need this, we need this to drop this little piece in. And right, and for those of you who don't know, we, when you shoot a film, you get to the end, end of the edit, and you suddenly find that you need somebody's hand picking up a coffee cup. Right, and the, it really won't flow right if you don't have that shot of that hand. Yeah, and sometimes it can be as simple as that, and all, and you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. how can we not get the shot of the coffee cup? Yeah, well, this is yeah. now, now we're in three weeks of <laughs> ah, so. We'll see how. And that your goes. big projects that can happen a lot too. Yes. So, but well, speaking yeah. of time, yes, uh, we recorded uh, Sci-Fi XY. Sonia and I did. Yes. And we were talking about time travel, and she had a suggestion for a topic. Yes. I thought I thought we could do this because it doesn't require a whole lot of time on our part, which we don't have today. To research, um, <laughs> a discussion comparing CG and practical effects. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And it actually times out pretty well, pardon the pun, <laughs> because yeah. It, it, and those of you who are watching on the video, we are doing video again this week. Uh, you'll notice I have my my Franklin Mint USS Enterprise model sitting here on the table with us. In honor of so fuzzy, yes, I need to <laughs> clean it off, <laughs> blow the dust. Uh, in honor of the shooting model mm-hmm. of the USS Enterprise uh, fully restored yeah. uh, back in the Smithsonian where she belongs. In green. Uh, yeah, and looks great, doesn't she? Oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, it was, it's, I mean, we we plan, I think Allison Isberg, who's up in Baltimore, 
is planning to be at the July 22nd event where they officially oh, nice. do cool. opening ceremonies. So that's that's the plan anyway. We're good, hoping good. she can still make it. So, but yeah, the I mean, uh, this new exhibit, Boeing, Boeing is the sponsor of a pioneer uh, milestones in flight. I think is what it's called. And the Enterprise, the USS Enterprise, not the Space Shuttle Enterprise, right? Not the aircraft carrier Enterprise, because right. you know airplanes. Sure, on of land, course, on right? The deck. Neither one of those enterprises are on the sign for milestones in flight. Nor is the Spirit of St. Louis or the Wright Brothers mm-hmm. or any of that. It's the USS Enterprise from Star Trek on the milestones of flight <laughs> uh, sign out front, and uh, and and it really does kind of lay into this discussion of models versus CG. Right. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before James Cameron finally came out and had some comments about Star Wars The Force Awakens where he talked about uh, how uh, how how regrettable it is that uh, that The Force Awakens doesn't have that same visual feel of George Lucas's movies. And everybody of course Completely, I mean, everybody dumped on him just immediately, uh, and and the only thing that anybody could figure is that Cameron must really be enamored with all of the CG and the prequels. Well, I tell you what, um, years ago when Titanic came out. Okay. First of all, I'm not a fan of Titanic. Sorry, the story is completely historically inaccurate. I watched it just to see the boat sink. It still wasn't worth the money. Wildly. I mean, it's just, okay, you know, hey, if you if you enjoy the movie, you enjoy the love story, all power to you. I'm not a fan. <coughs> My father calls me after he watched it. Uh-huh. And he goes, have you seen this movie? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I can see the CG. I can see it. I can visually tell every shot that's Your a dad. CG. My dad. Wow. And he's like, it's it's... You know the difference between the model shots and the CG shots. He goes, "It's incredibly clear." Is this is this something you saw too? And I said, "Well, yeah, but I'm looking for it because I know where it is." And Cameron Cameron certainly can be. There's a lot of praise being put on Cameron for his use of, of CG. Oh yeah, he's I mean, used the, it extremely well. The 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 pod the the water pod in the abyss. Oh yeah, just you know, yeah, that some, was course some fantastic stuff. Yeah. But um, he's hardly the right person necessarily to be. Well, I mean, it, it, his his opinion is valid. Okay, it's his, his opinion. He, sure. He's allowed to have yeah. it. Uh, he's in the industry. He's worked with the stuff. He's allowed to express that opinion, obviously. And it's and people are allowed to disagree with him. And I'm going to uh, because, quite frankly, you know the the prequels and oddly the prequels actually had a lot of practical effects in it they did we keep we, and people people bash on it but the cg they... was there was a lot of it no question we've yeah. all seen the green screen room shots and that sort of stuff from the making of stuff but yeah. still um, there is there is always going to be that tactile mm-hmm. and and what jurassic park we've used we've used this as an example before yeah um, dinosaurs. I mean, bringing dinosaurs to life. That moment in the theater, if you, when you saw it for the very first time, if you were lucky to see it in the theater and not watch it at home for the first time, that moment when we first see the dinosaurs and Alan Grant goes, <gasps> the audience is going, <gasps> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, because that was that was very very well done. And there's like seven minutes of CG in that movie. 
Yeah. It's I mean, that might be a little low on that, but it's not by much. So much of that stuff was practical. The raptors largely were practical. They were puppets with people inside them. There were there were people running around wearing raptor heads. Now some well some of that was some of that got replaced by CG. Oh yeah, or got layered on top of. But yeah. the other thing is that, and you see this with bad CG, is that uh, Spielberg blurred the edges because of the way your eye works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you if if you're watching um, something on the Sci Fi Channel in say the uh, uh, Asylum School of Filmmaking, mm-hmm. uh, which you know. Sci-fi, sci-fi oh. ran for, has run for several years. That reminds me. Yeah. That reminds me. The producer of the Sharknado movies yeah. is now following us on Twitter. Yes. We have arrived. We have. We can go now. We're, now, we're, all of we, the rest of you need to follow <laughs> us on Twitter. And when well, we post a link to an article that we publish, click on the link on Twitter and go read, read our stuff. Oh, wait. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm done now. Okay. <laughs> so, he, when, when they did the CG and you've got the, the dinosaurs running... It didn't look real because your eye, we, we see in 3D, right? Mm-hmm. So your eye is attuned to the shape of things and how light hits those things. Right. And CG, of course, is a 3D model, but it's put on top of, no matter what, you're layering an image, mm-hmm. right? You're not embedding it deep into the, the actual 3D space because it's a flat medium. Right. So as they discovered, they had to blur the edges to make it look real. And bad CG... The edges are too, too crisp. Things look things look like they're standing on. T- we've all seen it. Well, and say, and I and I've run across that because when I when I've done uh, cosplay photography, mm-hmm. especially uh, sure. the it, it's green screen mm-hmm. or blue screen. You know, you put this this blank wall behind you, right? And uh, even when I'm shooting video and and doing green screen work there, uh, the you're right that that is the telling. Thing now, if you're standing in front of a weather wall and you're doing, you know, the forecast for the day, right. that's that's a different yeah, thing. Yeah, co- well, context obviously matters for this. But if as you want to, yeah, if you want to put that person in a space, mm-hmm. you're right. It does. There has to be a little bit of a blurred edge around, and that's that's something that people look at some of the stuff that I've done and said that it that looks really good with this person, you know, because I that's that's the key element. Right. Yeah. Whether, whether you get the lighting right, or you know if the shadows are in the wrong place, or whatever else, you know all of that's got to factor into it. But in order to to create this believable scene, mm-hmm. they have to actually look like they're there, and and blurring out the edge is is critical for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's one of the things that modern CG has finally gotten right is. Taking taking the edge off, let's say, doing not quite as clean a render mm-hmm. to make it feel like it's uh, right there in the shot. Right. Uh, I think I think one of the things, and, and actually we could probably thank George Lucas for this in a in a backhanded sort of way because I think in the nineties, the nineties early two thousands is when we had this proliferation of CG heavy. Oh sure, yeah. films. I mean, everybody wanted to do CG because CG was the new. Well, yeah, thing, it, well, right? it was a new and exciting technology. Yeah, I mean, you, could, you, you could do things with it, so it's yeah. like, if well, we can, so let's yeah. do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think, the the Star Wars prequels, whatever your opinion of them, uh, gave us an example of 
what too much looks like. Mm. And it gave us that point on the pendulum when we looked at it and went, okay, it's time to dial back. I mean, sure. Michael Bay still hasn't learned that lesson. <laughs> but everybody else, I think, and you can see this with The Force Awakens, is, you know, one of the things when they first said they're going to make this movie, you know, Kathleen Kennedy made a point of saying, it's going to be a mix. There right. will be practical models, and fandom just blew up. And some, and this was this was welcome news. Well, some of that's nostalgia. I mean, we and we, sure. we know that, um, but some of it is is recognizing that there's something about when you pull a camera, you build a model. I mean, okay, so the the models of the Enterprise at various stages have not been small. No. Okay, so these are these are one of the Smithsonian is eleven foot long. Okay, so when you've got that much space, if you're a good model builder, you go in there and you get the details and you mm -hmm. get you know the 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 rivets. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking like stuff that's you know, almost invisible to the eye, but on the camera, it jumps right out. Yeah. And you take, put that on a uh, on a rig, and you run a camera past that. There is going to be something about how that is lit, and something about how the space it is, and and so you look at say uh, the original series. You look at, um, well, you look at Next Generation because they had a model for that. Mm -hmm. They use a lot of CG in that show, certainly, but they use models. Yeah. Um, and you look at. Uh, uh, Star Trek the Motion Picture or Wrath of Khan or any of the any of the original series movies. And that ability to sit there and track past which is why was it space porn or ship porn, where the camera will just sit there uh -huh. and lovingly yes. it lovingly yes. caresses the yes. Sajip Enterprise. And um, if you ever watch the the video series on YouTube, um, Everything Wrong With. Oh uh -huh. and they do the Star Trek ones and they're yeah. just like Twelve thousand minutes of watching the Starship <laughs> Enterprise in space dock. You know, it's like, but it, but that's there's something to be said for that because you you can do that kind of loving thing. And yeah. when you look at the new Star Trek movies, um, they don't. It even if you can reproduce that kind of shot, and the effects are great. Don't misunderstand. I mean, the, the, we are we are at the level that you can build that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have that same kind of tactile, right? Um, it and, it feels CG, it, it, even though. The the visual has has come to the level where people I don't want to say dumbed it down, but they, they've they've dirtied it up mm -hmm. so it looks like it's in camera a little bit better than right. CG used to be. It's still CG, and you're still looking at it going, yeah, I can see the lines. Well, and and there's something to be said when you've got a, when you've got a full CG shot when you're everything on camera is CG. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, Avatar. For whatever story reasons you might want to bash the movie, it built a very lush world that, while it's all CG, it works because you're immersed. That's all that's there. Right? I call, I call, I call it dances with Smurfs. It, it, it uh, that's one dances of dances with Smurfs in Fern Gully. That's uh, a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, but you know, you you can you can build those really rich worlds. It's when you bring in people, or you mm -hmm. overlay the practical thing that you can run into problems. And I think that we are in that interesting space where the technology is good enough that if you've got somebody like Abrams and Kennedy on the Star Wars, on Force Awakens, who are, who are looking at this and going, we want as much of the world to be real. Because if, you've, if the Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit films, and uh -huh. you watch Ian McKellen, one of the finest actor actors in the histor history of acting, and just a genius, an amazing, amazing performer, Breaking down on set because he's the only actor 
mm-hmm. in a in a sea of green. Yeah. And he is, you know, this is this is a guy who, you know, he's he's Shakespearean trained. <laughs> you're not. I mean, yeah, you're not gonna. It takes effort to wear down. Yeah. Um, somebody like Ian McKellen, and and he's there just going because it's 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 as an actor and we've both acted we both we've both been on camera yeah but we know that the, the and and even doing this this is we we do this by phone sometimes and this is always better oh yeah whether it's yeah. sitting next to each other or sitting across from each other on the other side of the room you know yeah we can have a great conversation on the phone and we can record it and put it out to you guys and, you can, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it but this is always going to be better because we're tactically in the same space we're interacting yes and that's the issue in many ways that's the biggest issue with CG see and that's one of the things that you that I've always been able to notice when they do split screen shots mm-hmm. if you if you play your if you play your evil twin right and yeah. you're supposed to be talking to each other um, the eye lines never quite sure. get right now the exception to this is orphan black Orphan Black is brilliant, brilliant in this stuff, I, and it is, and a lot of it is Tatiana Maslany. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is her double, and uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. I want to say it's Juliana, but I don't think that's right. But they got somebody who's physically, mm-hmm. you know, the same stature, the same build. I mean, they could, they could, they they double for each other the entire time. Right, and. The the shooting process. I don't know if you've seen any behind the scenes on this stuff, but the shooting process for this is they have uh, uh, Tat in in her one role mm-hmm. and the double in the other role. Rachel. Oh, okay. uh, no, not Rachel. Rachel's one of the clones. I can't remember her name. Oh, that's gonna bug me. All right, so we'll put it in the notes. So they um, they do the entire scene. Mm-hmm. So the double knows all of the lines, same as Tatiana Maslany does. All right. For all of the characters that they play, and so they shoot it, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of it's computer control on the camera, right? Because they have to do match moves, and they got which is you know, a, which is that. an amazing thing that you can actually do now. That which that also came out of industrial light magic. Yes, yes. Yeah. But that that whole thing, because basically what they have to do is they have to take Tatiana's performance from mm-hmm. each from each take from each setup, and digitally put them all together in the same space and it is just an amazing piece of work mm-hmm. um, and and a lot of it's the CG and the, and the digital effects but a lot of it's her performance oh yeah but she wouldn't be able to do that without her double right you know that 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 extra because you're you're in the space mm-hmm. she's not acting against a tennis ball she's acting against somebody who's right. doing the lines and they're right there with her. And it makes a huge difference. Well, and you you see this a lot with with motion capture actors now, where yeah. they're on set, whether they're you yeah. know, so you're not you're not playing against a, a PA or a script supervisor reading the lines to you. You're playing off the actor who's playing the part. Yeah. And whether they are physically just off camera or they are on set in a green suit, then you the actors get to play off them, and that's really important because actors are really really good at building a world in their head. And then letting that world out for the camera, but the thing is, is that you're alone in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what the voices tell you, you're alone in your head. Yeah. And if you can't, if you can't play, there's always going to be a difference between playing off someone and playing off someone who's reading the lines off a piece of paper. Um, Speaking it, of piece of paper, yes. 
We don't have any in front of us, but if I had one, there would be a piece of paper here with a script for uh, our, our toss to our superhero stuff break. There would be. Yes. I, I should probably have one just as a prop. <laughs> we'll, we'll CG it in later, we right? <laughs> yes. All right. We are going to take a real quick break, refill coffee mugs, and let you hear from our sponsor, SuperheroStuff.com, where you can get all sorts of stuff. Some amazing um, stuff. We love those guys. I think the hero box right now, I want to say it's a Wonder Woman thing, but I don't know. Oh, that'd be I, cool. It could be, I could be wrong about that. But yeah, SuperheroStuff.com, you can get a hero box. There's all sorts of... DC, Marvel, and Star Wars, and Godzilla, mm-hmm. and Doctor Who, and, and all of that. So we will take a break. We will be right back after this. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com where heroes shop. I'm meteorologist Brian Busby. If you're traveling to a convention this weekend, especially if you're a cosplayer, it helps to know what the weather's going to be like. Rain and fur don't mix very well, now do they? That's why every week, Sci-Fi For Me gives you the weather forecast for every city hosting a convention. Those we have on our list, anyway. And that's worldwide, not just in the United States. It's part of our commitment to bring you content you won't find anywhere else. Just click on the Conventions tab over at SciFiForMe.com, your portal to the science fiction multiverse. Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here, inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious crumbs only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back on H2O, I have cards in my hand. You do. They're blank, but yeah. you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a prop. Right. Uh, Catherine Alexander mm. is the stand-in, right. the double for Tatiana Maslany on Orphan Black. She does a phenomenal job. Right, and and for some of these folks, they are completely unsung. So it's it's good that we you, know, you were able to get the name because she well, does and amazing they have, work. They have done some behind-the-scenes features mm-hmm. on the process. Right. And there was one, uh, there's at least one that specifically focuses on her. Mm-hmm. And everybody was basically saying, you know, yes, Tatiana does this really great work right. with all of these characters, but she wouldn't be able to do it as well without Catherine. Because right. Catherine gives as much into the into the mm-hmm. scenes. As, well, she as like else. you said, she's playing. She's learning all the lines. She's she's uh-huh. playing the part. She's playing she's those parts playing too. All the parts. Yeah. Um, she just doesn't have the FaceTime. Right. Yeah. And she's fine with that. Although uh, I think in season three, I want to say in season three, she actually got some on camera scenes mm. as another character. Right. Uh, so yeah. So they were like, well. Trying to stand it right here. Let her let her do it. Well, know? and if you look at some of the some of the, the doubles who have been critical stunt doubles, certainly for critical for a lot of actors over the years, mm-hmm. um, Shatner's stunt double, um, Schwarzenegger's stunt double, 
Harrison Ford. Uh, you know, some of these guys have had people who are just um, doing amazing, amazing work, and so often they don't get quite the credit that they should. Well, and that reminds me of uh, in you know, the latest Terminator movie, in Term mm -hmm. Terminator Genesis, when they digitally recreated the arrival scene from the first movie. Right, yeah. And I'm watching it, and I, and I know it's not the exact same, mm -hmm. because I went back and I looked, I was, I, you know, I want to do a little comparison here. Sure, I did of course. Side-by-side -side stills and stuff. But they got really close. Mm -hmm. And, you know, given that it's been how many years right um but you know same model of dump truck and the mm -hmm. tractor and all of all everything all of the elements everything was still there it was all the same yeah and they even got the actor uh, the actor driving the dump truck uh is a close very close match to the original guy that yeah. was in there so. the, the problems with that film actually it's a it's a film where you can actually say the problems weren't with the effects see i didn't have a problem with the sh with the movie i thought it was uh, you know, given and and this kind of dovetails into our time travel uh, discussion from from the other day. It's Terminator Genesis does the same thing that JJ Trek does, basically hitting a big giant red reset button sure. using time travel mm -hmm. as your MacGuffin. Right. Terminator Genesis did it a lot better, I thought, than JJ Trek. Because J.J. Trek used it as an excuse to hit the reset button. Right. Terminator Genesis used it as a story element to hit the reset button. And that's a huge difference. And I would, I would motivation for it is such that, okay, there's a story reason why all of this happens. Right. Then it flows better. And and I thought it was I thought it was fine. I thought Amelia Clark was perfectly cast. I didn't have a problem with the casting. Um, my biggest issue was, and was with the time travel, which is, by this point, we <clears throat> actually have so many different timelines right. for the Terminator movies that there was no good solution. Okay, you, if you're if you're going to try and keep all this as one thing, mm -hmm. you're screwed because <laughs> they're just well, there's just too much. Yeah. You've got too many movies at this point. And and to try and actually make them all fit in some sort of same continuity or you know a, or a con co coherent world. Well, that's why I'm saying this this one hits hits a reset button of sorts because it sends except, it sends that except once you back except even once you get to that point and then you introduce the basically the fact that they are changing history and yet people are remembering the original history. It's become this for a lot of audiences they found it terribly confusing that. We've changed the future, okay? Then how can you exist? Because we changed the past, and uh, you know. And I think that Terminator, if you're going to do something like this, Terminator would have benefited from a straight reboot. And the problem with that is that doing reboots, and then going back to the original part of the, the original where we came in, is that there was a long discussion about rebooting um, uh, Ghostbusters versus. Then Ghostbusters is the next right. generation, right? Or, or you know, because if you if you build on what came before, which was a lot of practical effects, yes, in that you can there there are advantages to that, and there are disadvantages to that as well. Mm. And I think that the Terminator films 
you know, and certainly the T- Terminator TV show, you know, you've got all these different things that are kind of factoring in there. It becomes a real, it can become a real tangled mess, right. which is what seems to have happened for most people. Although it was a big hit overseas. See, I could follow it just fine. Well, but you and, and I are and used to, to wrapping our heads around time travel stuff because we're because we're science fiction readers. I guess. And but you can, you know, we've had this discussion too. The general public is no 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 slight to the general public, but there's more of them. Right. And you basically have to play to <coughs> you have to play to a broader audience, and that's I I, I get that. Yeah, uh, and, 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 and without without dumbing it down. Well, that's the important part. Now. Without uh, trust your audience, but play to a bigger audience. So it, that can get that can get difficult. Mm-hmm. Huh? I suppose. I'm so, right. Okay, so so um, so the Ghostbusters reboot's coming out. Yep. We've got uh, a number of sequels that are not doing all that well. Right. Um, I think this is something we're going to talk about over on XY, where where you've got. Uh, you've got a lot of stuff that's just not working very Sequelitis. well. Sequelitis. Sequelitis. Yeah, I think we're. I think we've hit that. We've hit that hump. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where we were with CG in the two thousands, right. where we think you know, we got CG fatigue. I think now we're we're at sequel and reboot fatigue. I think. I, I think really hope there's are. something to be said for that, and I think that you can certainly you can certainly look at Hollywood as recognizing that hey, this film did really well. Let's make another one in the same world. Okay. There's there's a logic there. Certainly, uh, if nothing else, from the story side, from the bean counter side, from mm-hmm. from the you know the, the guys in the finance department, it's like, hey, we made all the money. Let's try and make all the money again with the same stuff because there's still more all the money. Yeah. Um. And and you can see how like the Marvel movies, you know, if you if you look at the story structure of all the Marvel movies, they're all pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, there's a formula. Yeah. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it can become a bad thing. And and that's something that you have Michael to, Bay. <laughs> you have to uh, pay attention to. And yet, people go to Michael Bay movies. He his films make money, and as long as his films are going to make money, and he's providing crowd pleasing entertainment, whether it you know the Transformers films drive me up the wall or not, mm. because they're dumb, yeah, and they're hard to follow because not because of the stories which are not complicated, but the visuals. Yes, become become, and that's an editing they're, issue. They're ponderous. By the way. They're ponderous visuals. They they let's impress them with so much stuff, and then cut and, it like cut it like you're having a seizure. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. So we off camera, I was talking about how I watched the new um, the bat the extended cut Batman versus Superman, and they added thirty minutes of film in, and it's thirty minutes of character development, and the first half of the film slows down, and the film. Whether or not you like the movie or not in the story, the film benefits as a film yeah. because the flow is better, the edit is better, and editing can make a gigantic difference. Yeah, because if you if you if you sit and you don't understand the motivation of a particular character, mm-hmm. then that whole part of the story just completely falls apart. Right. And Whether your audience is savvy to what's missing or not, if they even pick up on it, it may be a subconscious thing where they go. This just doesn't feel quite right. Right, and when you have thirty minutes of plot development and character development that is yanked out of a film, that's a significant chunk of time. A second on camera is forever, yeah. and thirty minutes is you know an eternity. And so, but it's become it's that it's that you can have all the great effects in the world, but if your film is cut in a way that it can't be followed. And and there's something to be said for the cool, you know, the scale of Bay's visuals. You know, he's got that sense of scale. But oddly enough, I went back because I maintain that he's 
made one and a half good films. Um, the Rock. Okay, yeah, I'll give him that. And half of the first Bad Boys. What Everything think, else after well, what that. What do you think about the island? I think the island is an incredibly derivative, dumb story. I can't. I that that <laughs> film was visual. Visually, it's very pretty. But the okay. story, the story holds together a little bit better. Oh, the than story some of holds the together stuff. fine. But I've I've seen it and read it and watched it a thousand times. Okay, it's nothing but we're not, new. But there. we're not talking about good movies. We're talking about good Michael Bay movies. Well, okay, and, so but even then, it's, it's so the to island, me. You know, for for most of the Michael Bay stuff, there is no story. Yeah, the I story just, just completely just. I just couldn't get around I just because couldn't, of the CG. I just I couldn't mean, get around the around the fact that it, it everything about it felt like a retread for yeah. me. The best part about that film is in the extras, hmm. where the practical effect where they show how this the semi is coming down the road yeah, and the yeah. and the that plate still, shoots out of the ground. That is they still built an a, impressive. It's a highway with a plate that shoots out of the ground and it. The truck hits it, and the truck flips, and it is amazing practical effect, which yeah. he has reused. He uh, used it in the island. He used it in one of the Transformers films. Yeah. And I'm like... Well, mm -hmm. hey, if it works... If it works. It, you keep it in your toolkit. But, uh, in fact, uh, there's some neat stuff online if you want. I just want to poke around uh, showing how many shots Michael Bay reuses for all of his films. Because if you got it if you got it in the toolbox... The, the camera over the helicopters? Oh, there's so much he yeah. uses. Uh, but, yeah, so half the first Bad Boys... Uh, maybe you know. Maybe that's what we ought to start doing. Uh -huh. It's just reusing some of our old material <laughs> and just throw, just just drop it in there we every go. now and again, sure. just at random. All right. Well, unfortunately, I have to go. Yes. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. If you've got comments on your uh, your opinions between uh, CG or or uh, practical effects. Uh, you can certainly share those with us. H2O at sci fi for mecom is the email address, or you can give us a comment over on our, on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're also on Pinterest, Google+, YouTube. I shouldn't even... Just, I shouldn't even include Google Plus anymore because it's such a wasteland over there. It is. It got very quiet. It did. Twitch, um, for whatever reasons, we're on Twitch now. Uh us and all the bots. Uh, let me tell you. All right, that's going to do it here. Uh, tune in next week. Yes. When we'll do a thing. We'll, we'll replace ourselves with CG <laughs> animatronic. CG animatronic. Well, are we going to be prettier? Because <laughs> uh, that'd be awesome. No. That'd be all right. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio.